Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Ardo Cal, here with you every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, the NHL on ESPN YouTube. I'm not going to lie, Wish. I'm a little tired this morning as we record this podcast. Mm-hmm. Frozen Frenzy, we are still in the shadow of it. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, an excellent slice of hockey heaven. Uh, it was awesome i had a great time in studio and uh from the response online dude it seemed like everyone had a great time watching it as well uh but definitely uh it was a, it was a long night but a very fulfilling one now as you may know a plank in my platform for years arda has been the idea that the playoffs should begin with a march madness like day of hockey like you start at noon you skip work you go to the bar with your buddies you watch hockey all day this was as close as we're getting to it, I think. Like This was so much fun to sit and watch all those games stacked on top of each other. I, I read some people questioning whether hockey really uh, translates well to that kind of format. And I, again, like you sit down and watch all those games and, and shout out to our boys, John Bucciagrass and Kevin Weeks for holding it down for as long as they did last night and making it interesting. But like once you sit down and watch all these games as they're going on, you start to realize... Oh, there are a ton of events. There are a, a ton of goals, a ton of power plays, coaches' challenges. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed playing the drinking game last night because there was a lot of drinks uh, that happened. Um, it was it was dope. And <laughs> and any anytime anytime we get a chance to do something where the feedback is overall positive, I think is a good night had by uh, the folks at ESPN. And like, it was pretty positive last night. And I, I would be really surprised if we don't do it again. Yeah, I have a feeling that we will certainly endeavor to at least try. I mean, I don't know anything, but I do know that uh, in studio, uh, there were a lot of special guests that came in and out and uh, were very impressed with uh, what they saw and and what was presented. Um, Also, a couple clips I'd like to shout out online. Uh, I had a chance to sneak into the control room and show you all the organized chaos that was happening in there. (laughs) So you can check that out on social media. Uh, it, it 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 really is like a beautiful organized frenzy is Chaos, the right word yeah. to use. So definitely check that out. But also uh, the way the Frozen Frenzy broadcast started uh, was with a drone shot. So it was like a, a really cool drone sequence. If you haven't seen that, definitely go and check it out. But uh, but yeah, uh, it's it was it was really cool. It was really cool to be in and, the and again for that. I've said this a few times to people that have asked, but like, you know, one of the things I miss about life uh, in a fractured media existence is the shared experience. Like we get it every year with the Super Bowl. Occasionally we get it with something like the Oscars. Uh, we get it with things like the Game of Thrones finale. Um, but like last night was definitely it felt like even more of a shared experience than watching the cup final. Like it felt like everybody had some, some skin in the game because all the teams were active and everybody was talking about what was going on on television. People were sharing screenshots of, of what was going on with Bucci and Weeksy and, and PK. And, and it was just really fun to see it, it. The, the gist of it was always let's give hockey fans a night. 
and let's have everybody kind of get a chance to watch all these games and enjoy it and start at six and end at like two in the morning on the East Coast or whatever, whatever the whenever the night's game ended. And I think they they hit the nail on the head last night. Like it felt like a shared experience amongst hockey fans, especially when you go on social media. And like that's all you can ask for, man. I, yeah. I thought they they really did a great job from from conception to this thing a few years ago. Shout out to my boy Eric Lowe uh to execution last night with everybody that was in the booth and 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 on the set so that was just great yeah. eric Lowe works in the programming department and he was a big part in piecing all of this together there were a lot of people behind the scenes that deserve a lot of credit from the producers directors all the way to people in the front office uh this was not an easy lift mm-hmm. uh, i it's not my story to tell uh i'm sure that there will be podcasts or whatever you know there's interviews out there uh that you can seek out but this was not an easy lift to put together you can only imagine how to stagger start times like this and get every team playing and things like that so shout out to everybody who made it happen arda dare i say it was the greatest thing to ever be broadcast on television is that an overreaction in your oh my i i I think you're (laughs) right on the money by saying that there's no overreaction in that statement whatsoever which brings us uh, to what we would like to focus on right now, NHL overreactions. We had every team play on Tuesday, and so why not go around the league and give some thoughts and determine whether these thoughts wish are overreactions or a reasonable conclusion? Allow me to start, Mr. Greg Wyshynski. I believe this one absolutely falls under the reasonable conclusion category because I'm going to say that the Boston Bruins will finish the season 82 and 0. (laughs) All right. It's happening. I'm gonna I'm gonna call this one a mild overreaction. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna split the difference because while I don't believe they're gonna finish 82 and 0, and while I don't believe they're even gonna be like 21 three and one or wherever the hell they were after uh, like 24 25 games last season, I, I do think that again our our preseason prognostication of the Bruins being pretty damn good is coming true. I mean, you are seeing the defensive foundation of this team give them what they need. You are seeing uh, some great play from uh, a rookie I'm going to mention in a few minutes, and then also some of the forwards up front. Like, they're getting the job done. They're playing with confidence. And the Jim Montgomery system that was the basis for that regular season record that they set last year is still there, still effective, and has gotten the Bruins off the blocks correctly. So not 82-0, Probably not a Stanley Cup champion, but not an overreaction to say the Bruins are still pretty damn good. No, and for everyone that's saying that they've had an easy start to the season, there's still NHL teams and there's still some good teams sprinkled in there. They did double up on the Kings, for example, and they beat the Predators. So like there are teams in there that it, it's yes, they played the Hawks twice, but they played the Hawks with Connor Bedard and all that spotlight on them. <laughs> so they handled it quite well. What's your first uh possible overreaction dude a win a win's a win strength of schedule in the nhl i never buy it like a, a, a team can win every night when they step on the ice if you get the dubs you get the totally dubs. true uh you know Just who's not the getting the dubs you, you know who's not getting the dubs the edmonton mm. oilers Uh-oh. <laughs> is Uh-oh. it an overreaction to say that the oilers will actually miss the playoffs my uncrowned sweet kings of hockey in edmonton the team i said would win the cup not only last year but also this year that they might miss the playoffs is that an overreaction arda i feel like i will put that under mild as well i still don't buy the fact that 
them stumbling out of the gates means that they're going to miss the playoffs entirely. If anything, it makes me question their cup aspirations. The cup or bust situation is more concerning to me based on their start than them actually making or missing the playoffs, I should say. Uh, But if this continues up until you mentioned this last podcast, if this continues up until American Thanksgiving, then we have a problem. Then that's another month away. So, but what what makes you say say this though? I have to say it's an overreaction for my own mental health because like, well, we picked the Oilers to win. Yes, I know. I don't know what I would do with myself if this team missed the playoffs. Like I, I granted there's like a Wyshynski jinx that exists in certain fan bases, but I mean, (laughs) I might have to go, I might have to go see an exorcist or something with the jinx I put on this team. If I pick them to win the cup and they miss the playoffs. Look, one stat really stood out to me when I was researching the Oilers before the show. Um, their underlying numbers at five on five are okay. Like, like they are 11th, for example, in preventing high danger, uh, shot attempts. That's kind of mid, but it's not terrible. You know, what's terrible that their goalies are 32nd in the league in high danger, save percentage Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell have combined for an unfathomable 605 save percentage. Uh, on high danger scoring chances. Uh, They're the only team in the league under 700. Now, I know that Campbell's played well in fits and spurts for the Oilers. I I, I know that there's some sense of like, they've got bigger problems than the goaltending, which is something you can't often say about the Oilers. The goaltending is a problem. And this stat in particular tells you that when the chips are down, when they need to get a save, they're not getting a save. And that's kind of been the story of this team for two seasons. Yeah, that's really alarming, and that squarely puts a concern in one area that Oilers fans have always had a concern in, is what will happen in net. Uh, not to make this, well, what does this mean for the Maple Leafs, as a lot of people do? <laughs> Very similar statistic to the Leafs. They actually have a low amount of high danger chances, but a lot of medium danger chances allowed. And that's where a lot of their goals allowed are coming from. So very obviously concerns on both camps between the pipes, what will happen there. But yeah, this is certainly alarming. All right. This is not this one. We can even just skip through wish. Okay. I'm just going to briefly mention it because there's really nothing to debate here based. I've seen enough from this season, particularly during frozen frenzy, taking the reigning cup champs to the limit, shorthanded prowess early on in the season. The Philadelphia Flyers are a playoff team. Let's go. Oh boy. That is, (laughs) that is overreaction. That is not an overreaction, which come on. I'm I'm telling you, Brooksy, we can be a playoff team. Listen, I love torts. We love torts. Former coworker. Yes. Uh, I got a story on the Flyers out today on ESPN.com that specifically talks about one thing that Keith Jones and Danny Briere have brought to this franchise, which is a sense of honesty. Keith Jones told me that he's the new president of the Flyers, told me that in the past, the team would try to market itself to Philadelphia sports fans by trying to overpromise. And, and not only that, trying to meet what they believed were the expectations of the fans by talking about being a cup contender in seasons in which obviously they could not be a cup contender. So they were honest with him this time. We're, be, we're rebuilding. Come see a competitive team play, but let it be known that we're, we're a rebuilding team. Uh, so 
you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is that if your prediction is true, Arda, then these guys are liars. <laughs> they are a cup contender, uh, but I don't believe they are. I, th- I think what you've seen from the Flyers is what you're going to get from them, which is great goaltending from Carter Hart, uh, a very uh, dependably hardworking effort from a John Tortorella team, uh, and, and a team that that but a team that desperately needs more centers. Uh, has a blue line that is as certainly needs uh, some some reinforcement and will eventually fade back to the pack. But if they if if they have the level of compete and heart that they have, no pun intended, by the way, um, that they have in the first few games, and this is what you see all season. If they even if they lose a bunch of close games, that's not a bad season. I would say that would be a win for the Flyers based on their projections coming in for sure. Everybody, everybody loves an underdog in Philly. I mean, they built a statue to one, you know, so. Yes, which I always take a picture with whenever I visit Philadelphia. What, what is your, what is your last over possible overreaction? Um, so I, I, I was watching a little bit of the Ottawa Senators last night, uh, getting beat by uh, Buffalo, uh, by last night, I mean, Tuesday night. And uh, it occurs to me that a guy who is normally at the top of everybody's hot seat list for a coach potentially being fired uh, might actually be fired. I I think DJ Smith will be the first coach fired. Is that an overreaction or a reasonable conclusion, Arda? Depends if they if they uh, win or not. Honestly, that's really it. I think I think you're right. If this team continues to struggle, I think a lot of people have high expectations for the Senators. But if they continue to lose, uh, and especially if they continue to lose to teams that people believe they should win against, and they go on a stretch, that this always happens, right? We see this kind of conversation every year. So I think you're right in saying that. In particular, the let, like, look, I know this is a very volatile position. I know that the turnaround or turnover, pardon me, is very high. But DJ Smith has always been in these conversations for the last few seasons, at least the last couple seasons. Right. Like in terms of who's on the hot seat, which coach is on the hot seat. DJ Smith just happens to be on that list, even if it's not the top of the list. But he's always on the list. He was on the list last year. We were doing this wish. Well, they're getting dusted right now by the Red Wings and the Sabres a little bit. um, Now that the Sabres have turned things around and that who's going to break out of the of the three team pack in the bottom of the Atlantic. Um, And and. There was a moment in the Buffalo game that I still can't wrap my brain around. They forgot to tell Anton Forsberg he wasn't going to go back out yeah. and play, which is a very, very, very embarrassing thing to happen if you're a coach. Uh, it was called out by our friend Mike McKenna in a pretty severe way last night as it being an embarrassment for the organization. When you see a mistake like that made, it, it reflects very poorly on what is already a maligned coach. 12th and expected goals, 17th and expected goals against, again, you know, not exactly sterling numbers for the Senators off the blocks. Is it ta- the, the thing that worries me about Smith, uh, Arda, is they've got a new owner, they've got expectations. Those two things combined usually do not mean that the coach is going to have a long shelf life if the team struggles. And hey, we've got a well-coiffed man on that bench, formerly of the New York Islanders, hasn't coached since 2017. Is it Jack Capuano time in Ottawa? Could very well be. And that was on the night, by the way. They had the awesome goalie ceremonial face-off for Craig Anderson, who retired as an Ottawa senator. Of course, he is a mentor. He works with the Buffalo Sabres organization. So that was a nice moment to start the game. Yeah. Uh, but then, exactly as you laid out for the senators. Uh, the Red Wings are sweeping the Art Ross and the Rocket Richard, Greg Wyshynski. Alex DeBrinket, clear favorite to win the Rocket. Dylan Larkin already in contention to win the Art Ross 
with apologies to Jack Hughes and Austin Matthews and Connor <laughs> McDavid when he returns. Uh, the Red Wings have this one in the bag already this early in the season. Am I overreacting? Reasonable conclusion. They got special chemistry, man. Like watching those two kids go has been one of the true joys of the early part of the season. Debrinket is 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 showing what can happen when he plays with an elite offensive talent. Larkin, same deal to finally have a goal scorer on his line that can find the spaces to get shots away. Like we talked about it last game or, or last podcast, rather, the fact that these two have incredible chemistry off the hop together. And sometimes that's all you need, man. Sometimes you just need uh, one line or a couple guys to click. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that that what you just predicted could come true. I mean, if the if the Detroit is that team like the Devils, like the Kraken, that are the team that finds a way to click offensively and score their way out of problems. Well, someone's doing the scoring and it's probably to bring it and Larkin in your prediction that to bring it hits 50 is looking pretty damn good right now, too. Yeah, no kidding. And if that happens, by the way, Iserman wins GM of the year. Maybe Derek Lalonde wins coach of the year. Like there, that's all in play. If this happens, if the if the Red Wings make the playoffs, if those two players are sniffing the vicinity of the Rocket and the Art Ross, that definitely is happening. Uh, what's your last one? Uh, my last one uh, is that uh, Connor Bedard will not win the Calder. Is that a reasonable conclusion or overreaction at this point? No, right. you you've been you've been banging this drum since before the season started. You were the one that said that Logan Cooley could steal the uh, rookie points total from Connor Bedard. Hmm. You you were the one that said if if, well, if Bedard got the goals, then Cooley could absolutely get the points. Look, I I didn't expect this prediction to boomerang back to wishes a genius uh, from you, but I, I I'll, <laughs> yes, I'll take it. Yes, you did. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, tied with Fantilli in points as we do this podcast, trailing Logan Cooley in points as we do this podcast. And here comes Matthew Petra of the Boston Bruins yep. centering a line with Brad Marchand and cooking offensively. And again, the thing I keep telling you guys about this award, it's about stats and it's about the narrative. The narrative for Bedard is you've got to be the best. And if you are, if you hit your numbers, you're going to win the Calder. The narrative for Fantilli is you dropped in the draft and now you're showing everybody what you're made of. The narrative for Cooley is you're on the Coyotes. The narrative for Patra is the Boston Bruins are a donut after Bergeron and Krejci retired. You've moved up and you've saved the day by playing well at center. So there are some storylines and some stats that are uh, clearly going to boost the cases of others. And I agree, reasonable conclusion that Connor Bedard will not win the Calder at this point, as stated before the season. And that's also because he doesn't have a hot start. Like if he had an Austin Matthews-esque start, I think it would al we'd already be saying, ah, it's in I mean, the bag, Bedard's got it. But now he's yeah. leaving the door open for this kind of debate. Because um, the Blackhawks are terrible. I mean, let's be honest. Like, that was always the thing that we had to caveat with Bedard is that he's going to get his shots, he's going to get his goals, but the Blackhawks are terrible. And and that's going to come home to roost at some point statistically for him. Yeah. An update on the Pride Tape ban in the National Hockey League. 
the NHL has reversed its policy on the use of colored stick tape to represent causes during games and practices. Here is the statement, quote, after consultation with the NHL Players Association and the NHL Player Inclusion Coalition, players will now have the option to voluntarily represent social causes with their stick tape throughout the season. This was in a league statement on Tuesday, Greg. Yeah, big win for for logical, uh, good conclusions. Uh, the, the two things I want to point out here uh, as we wrap up Pride Tape, so to speak, uh, pressure works. The backlash uh, against the initial announcement, which again was news that broke on opening night, so it was just maximum attention on this controversy. That bought the NHL, NHLPA, and the NHL Player Inclusion Coalition uh, to discuss it last week. You know, it was early last week when they had their discussion. What are we going to do about this pride tape thing? Because again, it was pressure from fans. It was pressure from players. Connor McDavid was one of the first guys to step up and say that he disagreed with not only the Jersey policy, but the pride tape thing. The Oilers had been one of the teams at the forefront of using pride tape over the last several seasons. Um, the story was getting coverage well outside of the hockey bubble. The pressure was on to correct what was, I think, in the eyes of a lot of the the stakeholders in the league, uh, kind of an unforced error by the NHL to overreach and, and ban pride tape. Then two things happen. Arizona Coyotes defenseman Travis Dermott bravely defied the policy by putting pride tape on his uh, stick uh, in a game over the weekend uh, and had some wonderful things to say about his reasoning uh, in different interviews after that. And then on Monday, Scotiabank, a major NHL sponsor, announced it was giving away 5,000 rolls of Pride tape across Canada to those, quote, who want to show their support for Pride and making hockey more inclusive. Um, again, when you have a, a major sponsor of the NHL going out and putting out Pride tape and doing so in direct response to the ban, I have it sourced and on good authority, uh, that they've communicated with Pride Tape saying that this initiative was in reaction to the ban on Pride Tape. Um, those two things happen, then all of a sudden the policy is changing uh, as of Tuesday. So pressure works. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, whether it's fans, whether it's media, whether it's stakeholders, whether it's players, the idea that the, this got called out the way that it did uh, made the NHL come back to the table and reassess the policy. So just keep that in mind going forward. And the second thing too is the uh, King Clancy Memorial Trophy, Arda. You familiar mm -hmm. with it? Yes. It's a sports award that's given annually to the NHL player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and who has made a significant humanitarian contribution to his community. Now, I've already seen some people uh, reach out to me on social media and be like, hey, you're the guy who got John Scott into the All-Star game. How about we get Travis Dermott into the All-Star game? A wonderful idea. We did that bit already. Here's what I think. There's absolutely no way that Travis Dermott should not win the King Clancy Memorial Trophy this year. What this guy did, how he got the ball rolling, uh, what he did for the community, the things that he said in the aftermath about honoring people in his family that are gay and, and, and putting the emphasis on why it was important for players to have this freedom of expression uh, during, you know, pride events. And, and also when they're not going on, just doing it on the ice when they want to. Uh, was really inspiring and, and just the kind he was the perfect guy the perfect messenger for all of this and uh, i think the king clancy memorial uh trophy exists to reward people like this and i think travis has earned it this season already and in large part due to what travis did on the ice during an nhl game the nhl has reversed course and now players are allowed to use 
colored stick tape to represent causes during games and practices and warmups this season. So we're about to show you an interview here uh, that we just conducted with Trent Sullivan, who was named the 21st Duck for the 2023-2024 season. Uh, this is a ceremonial position that is filled every year with the Anaheim Ducks, an honorary fan uh, that people can rally around, uh, usually somebody that has a very inspirational story. And Trent certainly has that. Uh, he was born with the with a congenital heart defect and needed a heart transplant when he was just days old. Since then, uh, he has also undergone a kidney transplant, pacemaker surgery, and chemotherapy. Uh, Sul Sullivan is basically a walking, talking miracle, and he turned 30 years old this year. Uh, he is a diehard Anaheim Ducks fan, and he joins us now on The Drop. What an honor for Wish and I here on The Drop on ESPN to be joined by Trent Sullivan, who has been named the 21st Duck for the 2023-2024 season. Of course, Trent, you're going to come on The Drop and you're going to be decked with the new beautiful <laughs> eggplant purple Anaheim Ducks jersey. Thanks for being here, man. And let let's start right with the with being the twenty first duck, man. Like, how did that come about, and what does that mean to you? Honestly, it really means the fact that um, my story uh, spoke out to people, and the fact that um, what I go through is such an inspiration to a lot of other people. Um, like I said, not a lot of people understand what people like I go to, um, and they just think that, um, you know, it's just a story, but realistically it's my life story. And when I got to be the 21st duck, I was more like, oh my gosh, like, how do I comprehend all of this? How do I like... <laughs> Put this in my brain and be like, oh my gosh, I'm rolling on the dice. Oh, by the way, I'm gonna go hang out with the Anaheim Ducks team twice, type of deal, and um, get to go on the ice with. Um, shout out to uh, Gudis. Gudis is the man. He's the absolute oh man. So here's the thing I found curious about you, Trent. So when you met the Ducks, I read a quote that said it was like talking to old buds. Dude, these are NHL players, man. These are the guys that you're watching every night on your television. How did you keep it so chill meeting these guys in the locker room? So to be to be really honest, uh, the day it all happened, the morning it all happened, um, I had zero prep. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go in there, like, try my best, and just talk to them like, um, like I talked to like friends type of deal. But yeah. and my joke, my joke was like, yeah, except they're all professional uh, NHL players. And I'm just, just this guy coming to talk to them. It's like no big deal or anything like that. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, and of course, uh, one of the big reasons why uh, you have been chosen as the 21st Duck is because you are a giant Anaheim Ducks fan. You love this team. Uh, you have always loved this team. So I would love for you to give us... Uh, a, a description of what it's like to be an Anaheim Ducks fan. What does it mean to be an Anaheim Ducks fan? I would say for me, it's um, I've been following sport 
um, for a long time. Again, um, I think I started following when I was uh, able to understand hockey a little bit. Um, but for me, I think it's, um, I love the ducks. Uh, it's my favorite, actually, to be honest, hockey, hockey is probably one of my favorite sports because it's probably more interesting, more interesting than, um, other sports. Like, now you're sorry, talking. sorry, not to, <laughs> not to downplay everyone else, but you know, I think hockey is probably one of the greatest sports of all time. It's just more interesting to see in person than it is, um, watching on tv in my personal opinion because it's you're there to experience it all all the all the noises all the sounds and uh to see uh the team you know go out and do their hardest and play play well i like going in person because watching on television is like not as fun you're like oh okay <laughs> Except on ESPN, right? Yes, Trent? Yes, on ESPN, yeah, right? The yeah, incredible. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, we're just kidding, Trent. We're just, yeah, we're just kidding. No problem, no problem. Hey, Trent. Um, I've often talked to athletes that are on the other side of the kind of night that you had that uh, that welcome people to the locker room, to the game, and and their experiences. And I've always found that the players get a little emotional, get a little touched when they when they meet um when they meet folks like you. From your perspective. Did you see that? Did you did you see players kind of connecting with you, hearing your story? Uh, did you hear from them at all during your time with the Ducks? So I really didn't get to talk to them because the day was a long day. But I could see that, excuse myself, because I'm trying to remember, the player who was sitting next to me, I think it really meant a lot to him. Mm -hmm. um, because cool. he was like understanding, like, oh my gosh, this is what this guy goes through and the fact it's like um he has an extraordinary story and the fact that like he said like i've i can learn from him type of deal like, yeah. like that's what meant a lot is from a again professional nhl player saying hey i can learn from this guy's story type of deal um really means a lot it means that my story inspires um others your your story inspires everyone, us, professional athletes, human beings, right? Yeah. Like it, it, and and hockey players are very down to earth in that way as well, right? Like by right. and large, it's just really cool to hear you uh, echo that uh, yeah. in in your meetings with the Anaheim Ducks, which I'm sure will continue all through the season. Yeah, the oh, uh, which ahead, is one. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. The one thing was very cool about meeting the team for the first time. Um, with Ratko Gudis. Um, that's why I think he's kind of my favorite so far because he's <laughs> such a humble guy. He's such a humble guy. Um, I mean, he's a pure beast on the ice, but in person, he's just this humble, like teddy bear. And the cool thing is, he came up to me, he's like, Hey, brother, how's it going? You want to, you want to go with me on the ice? I'm like, Sure, like I don't know who you are at first, but now I know. I'm like, now I know. So, so yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Like that day when I got to go on the ice with the guys and you know, it's telling me different things. And so, shout out to Gudis, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I, yeah. I will say, I will say this one fan base that will not describe him as a teddy bear are Maple Leafs fans. 
Uh, especially yeah. what happened at the yeah. very end of that series last, se- <laughs> last season. But yeah. I love that there's at least one person in the world that will describe Ratko Gudis as a teddy bear. I know. That's well, awesome. that's the thing. It's like if you haven't met him in person type of deal, that's a, that's that's the difference. You know, yeah. or if you're seeing him as a player, then, oh, yeah, I totally understand. There you go. You're see- He's you're the kind of him. guy you hate playing against yeah. because yeah. it looks like he eats human flesh. <laughs> uh, but the guy that you love having on your team. And that's yeah, exactly no. how you describe him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No. And again, it's it was such a cool guy. I mean, um, like I said, shout out to Gudis in general because he was the one that got me to go on and uh, helped me out with the whole deal and made me feel comfortable. That's awesome. Uh, just being around people. That's awesome. Um, all right. Some quick questions here at the end. You are a Duck super fan, so I need to ask you: in the history of Anaheim Ducks slash Mighty Ducks of Anaheim jerseys. What was your favorite look for the team? Uh, I like, well, I have two. Um, I like this year's and then I liked the um, Mighty Ducks, the yeah. blue and white. When oh, uh, iconic. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Bring it back. Bring it back. I know that that's so it's like looking at all the different jerseys. I'm like, oh, <laughs> and then I also want to, I will. I also wanted to ask you a general NHL question as a hockey fan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make you commissioner for a day. You are, well, I don't <laughs> want to say you're Gary Bettman, but you are Commissioner Trent. And you. Uh, you get to change one rule in hockey. What rule would you change? Uh, <laughs> to be honest, uh, I would also keep it the way it is because it, it's wow. better. It's better. It's honestly, it's... I, I like the way it is. There's nothing that needs to change. I like the fight. I like the fact that now they can fight full blown is um is awesome. So yeah. You Sweet. hear that? You hear that coach's challenge? It's sticking yeah. around forevermore. Yeah. Thanks uh, to Commissioner yeah, exactly. Trent. I love it. Trapezoid, you're fine. Over the glass <laughs> with the puck, you're fine. Commissioner <laughs> Trent says we are in a good place. We are in a great place. I love to hear it. Uh one last thing from me. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, one of your dreams come true, Trent, uh, to be able to hang out with the Anaheim Ducks, the team. And now you get to go to as many games as you want as part of being the 21st Duck this season, uh, which is awesome. And and thank you for sharing your thoughts on what it means to you. You mentioned this to us off camera before we started here. The other person that you would love to meet uh, is Rain Wilson, of course, uh, famous for playing Dwight on The Office. Uh, and you will actually have a chance to meet him uh, in a couple months, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I'm a diehard, like diehard, diehard Office fan. Um, I mean, Ducks Office fan, but uh, yeah. Um, love. I have always wanted to meet at least one of the four originals. And the fact that I actually get to do that, it's super cool. Um, like, it, I've yeah, it's I'm still trying to figure out what for, what what for him to sign. And I only got like two months to go. <laughs> well, first, my suggestion would be have him sign a Ducks jersey. I think that oh, would yeah. be really cool. That'll be unique. Right. So I you're going to meet him at Comic-Con, yes. uh, I believe, coming up. Uh, and really, the reason why we asked this is so we could post it on social media and tag Rain Wilson, make him aware uh, that you will be there, and hopefully, it's a very extra special experience for you. Yeah. A very special yeah, experience. I hope, to me, I hope out of like, let's see, 
there's about uh, let's say about ten thousand Comic Con goers. <laughs> I mean, it's L.A. Comic Con. It's not. SD. Yeah, it's not San Diego Comic Con. Right. But yeah, L.A. Comic Con is like a huge deal. So yeah, out of be, out of out of the ten thousands, I hope he points out. I'm like, oh hey, I saw your story. Can I? There you go. Exactly. And we're gonna help make that happen. By the way, suggestions. Obviously, a stapler. Get him to sign a stapler. Oh my gosh. Obviously, also, if you can find like a plastic beat, like you yes. go to stores oh where they yeah. have like, like plastic food, like or wax food. If you can find like a yeah. wax beat, the best part. Be... The best. The best part would be if just have him sign his uh his bobblehead that Angela gives him for Valentine's Day. Yes, that's a good one too. <laughs> also, bring a box of Count Chocula and oh have my him God. sign that. I am That'd legit. Be great. I I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I'm like, oh my God, I, yeah, I have so yeah. many ideas now. There so you go. Trent, uh, we really appreciate you joining us. Your story is incredibly inspiring, not just as you mentioned the Anaheim Ducks players or other NHL players, but to us as well. Congratulations on being named the 21st Duck. I hope I see you at every home game yeah, this no, season I hope, and you get to I do hope, awesome I hope things. I hope get to see everyone more at the 21st Duck. Or 20, I am the 21st Duck. I am sorry. The 2023-2024 season for the Anaheim Ducks, too. Um, like I said, I plan on going on next Wednesday, which is the home another home game with some, uh, with some friends. So I'll be there. Nope. Thank you, Trent. Our thanks again to Trent for joining us on the show. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We appreciate you being with us. And I hope that you go to every single home game this year, man. Yeah. And the takeaway, obviously, if you're an NHL player and you see Radko Gudis menacing you, just give him a hug. He's a big teddy bear. It's not going to hurt you. <laughs> Apparently. He's not going <laughs> to yell in your face. Ah, no, 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 no. He'll hug you back. Speaking of hugs, will we see any hugs between the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames? Probably not. But they are playing in the latest edition of the Heritage Classic, the 2023 Tim Hortons NHL Heritage Classic, a rivalry game between the Oilers and the Flames, the Battle of Alberta. Uh, we have now seen the jerseys, the sweaters that they will be wearing, uh, the um, Heritage Classic sweaters for the Calgary Flames. They have a um, something that we've seen many other NHL teams do, the logo, the wording, and a circle. Uh, that yep. is very commonplace around the league. The Edmonton Oilers have a more um, historical, history-inspired jersey, digging back to Edmonton hockey history uh, with the trim of old-timey hockey there as well. What do you think of these designs? The Oilers jersey, for those who haven't seen it, it's like a it's like a banner that says Edmonton Oilers, and then above it is an oil drop where the player's uh, jersey number goes on. The, that's the crest. It was inspired by the historic Edmonton Mercury's team that won gold in the 1952 Olympics. Um, so we're going to apply the classic pass fail here. Let's go to the Calgary one first. Because this is an easy pass for me. I don't know about you. Like, I know the circle crest thing has become cliche. Uh, we've seen it on a ton of third jerseys and, and reverse retro jerseys. But it looks real classy here. I like the striping. I like the shoulders. I like the entirety of the kit. I think we can give Calgary a pass here. Yes? I think so. The, the, this is the problem. Like, and and the Flames jerseys are inspired by the Calgary Stampeders hockey team of the 50s and 60s. My problem when adjudicating jersey designs are number one, I have my opinion on how they look, regardless of backstory. 
So mm-hmm. like I'm just judging them aesthetically, period. But then yeah. number two, it's difficult for me to uh, have a really strong negative opinion about a design if there's a historical connection to it, because right. I do love the historical connection. I think that's cool. Like in the case of the Flames jersey, yeah, I give it like sure. I mean, I this design the, is very common, so I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, like cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm it's, sure it's fans a safe like design. It. It, it's a safe design, but the, the only thing I'll, I'll say to your point, it's a good one, is that if the font is directly related to the Stampeders jerseys, then I can understand it. Because otherwise, it's kind of like there's a chance you could have done something really cool and retro with the font a little bit more. I'm a font guy. I'm a writer. Uh, so that's maybe my only complaint with the jersey is the font's kind of kind of normy. Um, but overall, the look is pretty good. Now, the Oilers one, this is a tough one for me because there's some things I really like about the jersey. I'm actually kind of a fan of this like uniform number on the front and the in the oil drop thing. When you see the jersey without the number, I saw it in the window of the NHL store the other day. It looks really weird. But like when you put a 97 in it or whatever, if McDavid played in the game, uh, it's pretty cool. But there are a couple of things I don't like. I don't like the 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 big like horizon of blue that you have uh near the neckline because of where the logo is. I also don't like that if you have a if you're wearing a letter the letter kind of overlaps the shoulder and and the jersey in a kind mm-hmm. of an awkward way. And then while the Dallas Stars pulled off the old-timey leather pants and glove look with their Cotton Bowl outdoor game jerseys, yes. I thought those were dope. Like, this, these ones, for some reason... It almost looks like they ran out of money. Like it's like it's like like we're gonna just dig up something out of the supply closet in the backyard and and uh, and give it to you guys. I don't know. It doesn't really work with this jersey for some reason. So I unfortunately have to give on top of everything else that's happening to the Oilers these days. These days, Arda, I have to give the Oilers a, a fail here on their Heritage Classic jersey. If I was an Oilers fan, I'd probably pass on buying this particular jersey sweater. Uh, I agree with you. The leather, I love the leather look. I think that it's usually always a hit for this one. For so, I get it. Look, it's the Edmonton Mercuries. I understand the backstory. I think that part is really cool. And that's why I'm inclined to give it a pass. But if I was an Oilers fan, I don't think I would go and buy this jersey is all I'm saying. And so, and the leather doesn't match it uh, as well as I would hope. Put it that way. Have Having not seen the Mercury's, like did the Mercury, like is that drop supposed to be Mercury? Then, like, is that is that what they actually what the look was back in 1952? I doubt it, but I don't know. It's whatever. It's 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 not not the, the greatest. The thing. Edmonton Mercury's logo is very like the Edmonton Oilers. That same uh, horseshoe with oh, okay with a maple leaf in the middle. Oh, you can't uh, have it, that. So it's not an oil, right? So, yeah, oh, it, so they, they, they changed they it with an oil drop, I suppose. They updated yeah. the leaf to oil. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that's probably a smart decision. Look, bottom line, let's let's just be honest with the, the listeners. Um, if it's not the Todd McFarlane Oilers throwback jersey, like what are we doing? Just keep wearing that. Mm-hmm. It's one of the greatest jerseys of all time. The oil in the, the, the thing, it's great. Well, that's it for us here on the drop. Remember, we're back next Tuesday. Enjoy the weekend of hockey. It should be a fun one. Please subscribe to the NHL on ESPN feeds. Make sure to rate and review the show. Uh, there were a lot of people that have reviewed the show lately. We very much appreciate it. Wish uh, that was really cool to see. Very cool to see, and it does help people find the show. And and thanks again for the support. I mean, we're uh. We're shooting up the old rankings on some of these podcasting platforms, which is always good to see as someone who uh, is very happy to have a hockey podcast again. Indeed. Goodbye, everybody. Take care.